This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Easy interactive monitoring. I don't really have a sponsor. I'm sorry, I lied. Okay, here we go. I decided I needed to be high for this podcast. Um, no good reason other than I, I, I just feel, I feel boring today. Um, yeah, that's about it. It's not a good reason to, to get high. You know, the older I get, the more weed turns against me. And it's eventually going to get to a point where I can't, I, I can't do it anymore. It's not going to work. I maybe got about 30 good weed sessions before I'm like, okay, I think we're good. I spent my entire 20s getting high. And I'll spend my entire 30s drinking tea or something, something lame. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll start doing pottery. Sounds interesting, right? That's what thirty-year-olds do, right? They they knit and they they make bowls out of clay. I think that's that's accurate for the weird ones, maybe. But the thing is, I I'm I'm gonna be one of the weird ones. You know, it was <clears throat> twice in one week that two females said I was I was a super weird guy. I mean, they they said it in a very endearing way where it was kind of in my favor. But um still two in one week. Um that's me. Now I I kind of wear it on my chest at this point. Um The thing is, like I know I'm weird. But I'm not sure how to pinpoint it, you know? Like, it'll just happen in conversation. She'll just be like, you're a weird guy, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah. Like, I agree with her. But also, if she asks me why I'm weird, I, I, I don't know. I just, I go off the feedback that people give me. And the consensus is in, uh, I'm a weird guy. But uh, it's okay. It's, it's a it's, it's a good place to be, because I think I'm interesting, and as long as I'm interesting, I oftentimes weirdness and being interesting goes hand in hand. It's it's very hard to be normal and interesting. So, do with that information what you will. Who who's like a normal person who's also interesting? Like a famous, normal person. But like interviews, I don't think interviews should count because you're, you're, you're prepared to behave in a very civilized way. I don't, I don't think there's like a, like a, I don't know. Conformity is the death of creativity. So... I'm not saying I'm I'm the most creative person, but 
I don't even know if I'm more creative than the average. It would, I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I feel like I, I have more hobbies than the average person. But to say I'm more creative, I, it's... I don't know if my hobbies could be a good measurement of that. Oh, well. They also say people who doubt themselves the most oftentimes are closer to the thing that they're doubting about themselves than the people who are so sure of themselves. So do with that information as you will. Look up the Dunning-Kruger effect. So I just took my first hit. I'm doing drugs, my guy. I'm doing legal drugs, though. So there's a difference. But like I said, um, weed is not what it used to be for me. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I started getting high too early in, in high school. In the middle of high school, like smack dab, like the beginning of junior year or the, no, it was uh, sophomore year. So most of my high school, I was getting high. Those were some fun days. Those were really fun. Because I could get high off a tiny amount, the tiniest amount of marijuana that came from Mexico on some dirt ground next to a cactus and it was hard as a brick when you touched it but whenever you like rolled it on your fingers it would just crumble like a like a low-fat donut and i would get blitzkrieged off of that like one or two hits and i'm talking to jesus at that point but now the weed I have, it's the, oh my God, like the THC content has quadrupled over the stuff that I smoked in high school and it's super sticky and it's, it's powerful, but it does not do what that cheap ass swag did to me back in the day. And I really wish I got started on weed now like in my mid-20s or i guess at this point my late 20s <sighs> but yeah I, I i feel like i robbed myself of having a a very productive weed experience because i got started way too early at an age where i i, I was not good at self-regulation like like how a fat person can't resist the donut or a meth addict can't resist the a meth how do you how do you singularize meth is it is it just called meth is it a meth how much is mini meths <laughs> that sounds dumb i don't think there's any drug that you can pluralize except for pills i have an oxycotton oh nope Nope, that one, it's the same too. Adderall? Yeah, I, I think every drug 
is like both singular and plural is the same the same word interesting did 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 we just learn something together i think we did i'll smoke to that um god damn it oh yeah weed <laughs> it's already taking its effects on me um sometimes i think like even into my 50s i think i'll still get high in the mountains that there's an experience to that that you don't get in the comfort of your own home especially like for for someone who's anxious a lot which by the way we can talk about it um my breath work has done some amazing stuff with that, with stress, but we can get into that later. Um, for someone who's generally an anxious guy, weed has the capacity to exacerbate that. But on a hike, it is, it's almost guaranteed that it's not going to. It's almost guaranteed it's going to reverse all of that not always but almost guaranteed that it, it will almost. almost there's been a couple times where i got way too high on on a trail somewhere and it was cold and i was i was already like not in the hiking mood but i forced myself to do it Oftentimes when that's the case, I end up like being so happy I did it anyway. But on this day, it was both like, I don't want to hike, but just go hike. I didn't work out today, so just go and get some cardio in. And but by the time I got to the top, I'm still like, why can't I be in a good mood right now? Uh, so I got high, but it did it didn't help. I got I got too high and I, I mean I wasn't necessarily in a grumpy mood at that point but I was anxious I was like I could hear my heart and I could hear my breath and it was just weird I was like hyper focused on these everyday things that are just happening without you thinking and I was just getting I was thinking about thinking and it was just too much but other than that, that's a rare exception. Um, other than that, weed and nature is very complimentary. Uh, I mean, obviously. I mean, I hate, I don't want to like, there's like those Ben Shapiro type people who's like, well, technically everything is nature. So of course, weed and nature are complimentary because they're both nature by definition. Uh, shut up. You know what I mean when I say that. You know what I mean by by going on a hike and hanging out with trees as opposed to being in a city and just walking on a sidewalk. They're two different experiences. Both can be kind of positive for sure. I mean like walking on a sidewalk can be it, it, it has its place 
Um, sometimes I've been doing that more actually going on walks in the city. That can be fun too, especially at night. It's always, there's something to look at, but, but you know what I mean when I say nature, uh, getting high out in nature is, is fun. And it, it doesn't feel like a waste of weed or a waste of your time in general. You're going out and you're having a genuine experience. And the people who say you don't need drugs to have a good time. Uh, it, it's such a silly thing to say. I mean, sure. Um, you can have a good time without it. And I have had a good, I've had great times without it. When I, every, like, I'd never, I've, I don't think I've ever taken weed on a backpacking trip where I'm out in the woods for two to three days at a time. I, I've never gotten high out there, but I've had amazing experiences. It, they're just different. That's the thing. It's not better or worse. They're just different. And, but if I'm going to, if I'm going to recommend something, I might nudge you towards, you know, you should try to smoke a little bowl when you're next to a, a mushroom or something. Just, just a little, just a, just a tiny hit. Um, people who say that you don't need drugs to have a good time, they've never done drugs. So their their opinion is already lacking data like they don't they don't know what they're talking about like literally they don't know what they're talking about they're not they're not completely wrong but they don't know what they're talking about even if they're partially right um where are they going with this I'm never, why, why do I ask myself that? This, this podcast doesn't have a point. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere with this. I'm just talking. Um, just, just try, try getting high out in the woods. Not, not, not in your, not in your house. Unless you're new to it. Maybe, maybe get high in your house. Have like a buddy to hang out with you if you're new. Yeah, sure. Do it in your, in your room. If you're an old person and you're getting high for the first time, yeah, maybe maybe take a take a shot in your house before going out in public. You never know, you know. Re, the, your first reaction is never predictable. Ain't that the goddamn truth? Um, most of the time, I mean, there's a common reaction. Where it's kind of like, huh, this is this is interesting. Okay, yeah, maybe you'll see something. Maybe you won't. A lot of people never report hallucinating on weed, which is interesting because I did hallucinate when I was new to it. I I was having visuals, which makes me question the weed I was smoking. But it it was fun time. One time. Oh boy, I'm all talked out. I've only taken like two hits.
I don't even know what I would call this episode. I, I drugs. No, I feel like I talk about drugs every other episode. Maybe I don't have enough to talk about. Oh no, that's not good. That's not good for a podcast host. Maybe I should come in with something to talk about. Because when I resort to winging it, I end up talking about like three different topics. Oh my god. I'm just sort of realizing this right now. Um, yeah, it's either I'm talking about drugs or religion. Religion with secularism. You know, I'm usually talking about both. Or some sort of, like, psychology topic, I think. Am, am I that deep? Maybe not. I'd have to go back and listen. Or talking about getting a van but not getting a van. Oh, by the way, I'm getting a van. Uh, so there goes that theory. Uh, yeah, I just closed in on a van. I just put down the down payment on it and my previous vehicle which was co-owned with my mom i was making all the payments but i i was like 20 and it was like my first payment on a car so like i needed her to co-sign so she has to sign a few papers as well as me in order to get the trade going i'm gonna get rid of my current vehicle and exchange it for the van but as soon as those papers are signed, I'm golden. Uh, and it's mine. It's my, it's my, it's like, I think this will be my first like official car that isn't co-owned. It's just owned by me. And uh, it's nice. I'm 27. I think this is a normal age for that, right? I've just had the other car for so long. I was young enough when I bought it. And I just held on to it. I had no reason to get rid of it. I mean, I still, I mean, it runs well. The only time it never ran was when the battery was dead. And that's, that's good. That's an easy fix. Uh, it's definitely falling apart though. So it's time. It, it, it's, a, it's a good time to get it before, to trade in before it gets worse. I could, I, I could maybe... In terms of it running, for sure, like five more years, right? I don't know. I, I, I said that with no knowledge of how vehicles work. So, the five years part, I, I redact it. I, I rescind it. Whichever the correct term is. Um. But yeah, I'm getting a van, and I'm looking at an apartment in Utah. And I'm currently debating if I want the apartment. And if I do, should I get a roommate? Because it's a two-bed. And it I can afford it. I did the math. I can it's all good. Assuming I don't get laid off. But the other option is should I just do the van life? Should should that happen? Cause that would be cool too and that would save me like a thousand dollars a month and 
I can be more free in my travels. I can actually start start seeing new places again. I mean, I could have been doing that now, but I don't know. I've sort of been in purgatory with with all that stuff. Especially, yeah. I've got 10 minutes left until my recorder stops. It just notified me. Um, but... Well, yeah, I got I got some options. It would it would be nice to have a place to keep all my stuff, like in Utah. And yeah, I mean, yeah, financially, it would be nice to have a roommate. Save me like eight hundred dollars a month on rent. But I don't like people. So that's that. Yeah, that's an issue. Especially random people. There's a, one friend that I was in talks with maybe rooming with, but not everything is set in stone, and there's a few months until it, it should really be taken seriously. A few, no, not a few months. I mean, it, it should be taken seriously like right now or two, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm. I think I can still qualify. I mean, I can get my deposit back. Um, it's on hold right now. It's secured for me. But, but yeah, moves are being made. But it's all coming down at a weird financial time for the country, and there's a lot of insecurity. Even within my company, our, I think I did mention this already, but our parent company had layoffs, which didn't affect us, but, you know, that, that anxiety is there now, and they're putting holds on, on the travel budget and hiring freezes, which is okay, whatever, just, uh, just keep me on board, and I think we'll be good. Pretty please. Pretty please, I mean. But, yeah. I really got a poop, by the way. I hope you know that. It's important to me that you know that. But, yeah, the van. It's a 2019 Ram Promaster 1500 cargo van. Um, it looks it's It looks great. It has 90,000 miles, which for, I mean, 2019 is not that, it was a pretty young vehicle to have that many miles, but it's, that's good. That's reasonable. Like $23,000. Yeah. I make that work. And it's empty. There are like these shelves in the back that are built in. Uh, if I ever do renovate the inside those shelves would probably come out, but for now, I'm glad they're there because I can I can put things on the shelf, you know. I can do what it was made to do. But yeah, I I notice I say but at the end of my sentences in order to like prolong what I'm talking about. But uh, yeah, like that. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, 
I like it. I enjoy it. It has a backup camera. It's wonderful. And it's going to come to me. As soon as those papers are signed, it'll, it'll be at my place, maybe within the next week or two. My mom's going on a cruise, and they emailed, they, not emailed, they mailed the papers to her to sign. But they have to be physical copies, which sucks. So I have to wait until she gets back from the cruise for all that good stuff. So okay, it could be two weeks. But my car, my current car is already off my insurance, so don't don't tell anyone, please. Um I'm gonna go see Cocaine Bear tonight. It looks it looks good enough. It looks like a fun movie. I didn't realize Elizabeth Banks directed it. This is yeah, we're not gonna I feel like that's too insider baseball for this podcast. I don't want to talk about something that's too niche where I already expect you to know who these people are. Elizabeth Banks is uh, is an actress, but she's apparently a director now, too. Maybe she's directed other stuff, but this is the first one I know of that she directed. Elizabeth Banks was in The Hunger Games. She was in Zack and Mary Make a Porno. She was in Role Models. It's the only ones I can think of. But yeah, that's Elizabeth Banks. Hope I'm thinking of the right person. No, I am. I'm gonna I'm gonna look her up right now as I talk to you. Elizabeth Banks, American actress. Yep, that's her. Huh. She's 49. She's older than I thought. She was in Charlie's Angels. Or did she direct it too? She did. Look at that. She's she's directed quite a few. Okay. Good for her. I like her. She's she's a fun a fun actress. She's likable. She's very pretty, but she's not like boring when she's on camera. You know, she's not she's not just pretty, but she's also she's fun to listen to. She's also in Our Idiot Brother. That was a that was a good one. All right, enough about Elizabeth Banks. I hope I hope people over 40 are listening to me right now. And I hope I know them. And I feel like there's a few people who subscribe to me that don't tell me that they're subscribed to me. And they, they listen to me in secret. And that's cool. I got some secret admirers or they're concerned for me. I'm at, I'm at an age where I'm still thinking about other people being concerned for me in like a very teenage way. Like, like when I became an atheist in high school, it was like the same feeling where people who were super religious, which there were plenty of super religious people, in my town and the fact that I was very vocal about my atheism, it sort of brought it out in other people, which caused the religious people to become more religious. And it was like my first look at the way people respond to information and how a lot of our beliefs and our opinions, oops, sorry, 
our beliefs and our opinions are sort of based off of spite, which is, you know what, I'm going to stop recording before it goes off, but I'm going to hop back on here real quick. And this is probably where I put my actual ad in real quick. See ya. But I do that when I was 16, that was like, at the time, I wasn't thinking of it in this way, where if if you if you think of something, if you believe in something adamantly that is opposed to what other people believe adamantly, both parties are going to respond by digging their heels in the sand. And it was, um, it's sort of a good example of how people in the outside world, people in the world, what does that mean, people in the outside world? I've, I've always heard that phrase, but what does that mean exactly? Like outside the world or is there a world outside this world? Or is it like I created my own world metaphorically and I'm in like a bubble and then there's people on the outside world who don't think like me? Is that what that means? I don't know. People in the world, people in this country, especially lately, it feels that a lot of a lot of the way we handle politics feels very spiteful like it's, it seems like with liberals it it feels like it's gotten to a point where it they're like it's like they're no longer pro choice but they're they've become pro abortion you know where at one point it sounded reasonable pro choice then as the right became more reactionary towards that and started claiming to be pro-life um the left reacted harder and sort of started seeing abortion as like like not only a right but like a necessity in a lot of not not all of them but the fringe ones it if not with their beliefs then how they express them it started sounding like a, a more caricatured version of what was once a reasonable viewpoint and the same thing with people on the right where it went from like pro-life to anti-woman almost not to a, an extreme hands made tell degree but it the energy started feeling that way where they just became more reactionary towards the pro-abortion people <laughs> Or the pro, the pro choice, but it, it feels like that's sort of the way it is in in any topic you bring up, where it's becoming a caricatured version of what used to be closer to the center on the political spectrum, and I think I don't know much about history i have I, I mean i read history books but i haven't read the right ones to have like a very clear opinion on this 
what I'm about to say. But I I always hear from like my conservative family members that like liberals are destroying the country. It's fucking liberals. That they're the problem. And then you get the same answer from liberals but towards conservatives. Like it's fucking the right wing rednecks that they're the they're like Trump, like this is all going to shit because of they voted for him and all that. But maybe it's both of you. Maybe you're both the problem. Have you thought about that? You know, like this goes back to Dunning Kruger effect, right? Where the more certainty you have, the more you're you might be the problem. And so maybe it's not the left or the right that's ruining the country. Maybe it's your response to the left or the right. The way you form your ideology based off of how they form their ideology. So like, oh, you disagree with it? Oh, I'm going to make something. Or you believe in this? I'm going to just make the opposite of whatever it is you believe and believe that. And it, it kind of feels like that sometimes. I But I digress. Or, no, that's not the right word to use. I'm sorry. I, uh, I'm not, I don't feel qualified to, to make this assumption. But none of us are qualified, but we all do it anyway. Um, fucking damn it. I'm losing my train of thought because I'm, I'm, Getting that doubt in my head. Uh, what's it called? Yeah. Also, I don't know. Another reason I don't feel qualified is because I, I didn't grow up in the 60s. I didn't grow up in the 40s or the 20s. So I don't know how people were handling division back in those days. From what I've read and from the movies I've seen, I feel like today it feels more closer to the sixties than any other decade. And if this one book I read is correct, uh, history tends to repeat itself about every 60 years based off of the generations that come and the way younger generations respond to older generations. There tends to be a pattern that repeats itself and it's roughly like every 60 years when it repeats itself. So if there's any accuracy to that, then we're like right on the money. But that's when Vietnam was going on and the hippie movement. And there was just a lot of young versus old happening. And now it, it feels like a lot of young versus old. But then someone would probably say that's always been the case. Young people have always resented the older people, and older people never understood the younger people. But the the way we emphasize on division, it feels like the way they emphasized on division back in the 60s. It feels that way. I don't know if I'm right, because I didn't grow up there, but again, from what I read... It gives me the feeling that that's sort of the the time period that we're mirroring right now. So, 
if that means anything, I think we'll have a very solemn, or not solemn, a very quiet 2030s, if everything works out. Or 2040s, maybe. I don't know if the 70s were that chill, either. When was Vietnam? God damn it. Now I'm making myself look like an idiot. Um, maybe the 80s. 80s was a very, in terms of movies, according to Quentin Tarantino, is a very politically correct era of movies where people were playing it safe. And in that context, and maybe we're closer to the 80s in culture where, because it does feel like at this time period in movies for sure, and I've been watching a shitload of movies in the last two years, movies are playing it safe. They're, they're, they're not trying to upset anybody and they're trying to, they're walking on eggshells and you can feel it in the dialogue. Um, but I hope I can keep a close eye. I hope I, I want to like archive this conversation I'm having with myself or write it down and hopefully get to an age like when it's 2040, I can look back and see if my prediction is true. Will the 2040s really be a very calm period for us? Will will there even be a United States in the 2040s? That's kind of a freaky thought to have. There's a lot of insecurity on the, the American empire collapsing. I mean, that seems inevitable. Empires never last. Never. We're an empire, and empires are never destroyed from the outside. It's always from within. There's an internal rot. I don't know who said that, but it, it's a very vivid term, and it stuck with me. An internal rot. And conservatives are going to blame liberals, and liberals are going to blame conservatives. Here's the thing. Here's something I've been thinking a lot about. And it'll it might be surprising to some people. Because I consider myself a secular person. You know, I'm not religious or anything. But at the same time, I I don't think secularism is good for a country to sustain itself. Again, I, I'm not an educated person. I'm I'm self-educated to an extent. But I the older I get, you know, they say the older you get, the more conservative you become. I I kind of I'm starting to get whiffs of that. I'm starting to I'm starting to I don't know if if I'm becoming more conservative. Or maybe that is the word. Depend like based off of arguments that I defend lately compared to like five years ago or ten years ago, sure I would be labeled conservative if you if you only heard me in that context. But I don't know. Because 
there's also certain aspects that I don't see myself. It's not like, oh, I'm 40, so I'm automatically against gay marriage now. Like, no, it doesn't work like that. But you start to, as you, well, at least from a financial viewpoint, you become more conservative in the sense that you, you're paying for things now. So you kind of want a president that'll give you the confidence that the economy will stay, stay afloat. And oftentimes it's Republican presidents that at least give white people that security. <laughs> um, because it's based off of the promises that they're making and democratic presidents tend to emphasize on minority groups. I don't know if, if either president is actually doing the thing, but it's the way they're, they're talking to their voters. So someone like me, I naturally, I don't know. Maybe that's, am I racist? Oh no. <laughs> no, we're fine. We're good. I hope. Uh, let's see. But like, as you, as you start to own things, as you start becoming more independent, there's more responsibility in your life and you naturally have more defenses in your life to protect your, your, your property. And that's a natural thing. And this goes with having kids too, where it's easy to have compassion when you're young and don't have kids and you live a thousand miles from the southern border. But if you're like a middle-aged mom with a kid in middle school or high school and you live in El Paso or somewhere on the border, it, it's harder to have compassion when your safety feels threatened. And naturally people become more conservative on like immigration because of that. People who live near the border, they, they have, they're not all, they're like people who live on the border have very strong opinions on immigration and people who who live here in Oregon and are super blue-haired liberals that are 22 with no kids and they're vegan like they they just lack that world view because it's just not a part of their lives it's not a part of their everyday lives so things like that make you more conservative But also, to my original point, I, I think I digressed a little bit. As someone who considers himself secular, I, I don't think that's a good idea for a, a nation to be. To a degree. To a degree. Because it would be, this, it would be just as bad as like a, a theocratic government. 
uh, what's it called? I thought I heard a door shut, so I got distracted. Um, it would it would be bad in a different way. So like, so in a theocratic government, you would have a lot of uh, a lot of oppression going on and a lot of like super strict laws a lot of a lot of things that are punishable by death i would say and it would and like a christian today would argue like no that's not how it would be like we should we should this should be a christian nation but like the more it becomes a type of government over time a lot of the times it it leans into that it becomes more of what it is and inevitably it becomes like okay you stole a loaf of bread we're going to fucking slit your throat i mean obviously that's a exaggerated example but it's uh i wouldn't say it's too far off um so like it would be bad in that sense with a a theocratic government but maybe the trains will still run on time you know maybe we'll still stay afloat just because of how many rules there are you know the the trains run on time that's that's how it is and but the opposite where there's no religion and it's very especially in America where it's very individualized uh, people wouldn't have guidance there'd be too much of nothing going on and maybe there's more tolerance but there's also just uh, a national slothness I suppose more of like anarchy not the good kind of anarchy I know there's an argument for good anarchy, but I'm not going to be the one to make it. Uh, that's how we could collapse as well, by not getting shit done. And I feel like I could be wrong about this. This, I also, you know, I, I oftentimes remind you that things I talk about are... They're not always fresh ideas, but they're still in their infancy. They're, they're still young ideas that I need to flesh out. But I do think there's something to say about that. And the older I get, the more I understand the role that religion plays in a society. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like a, a God-believing religion. There's plenty of secular religions out there. Um, any, any political movement is a religion in large. Um, they are largely the same thing. And ideology and religion come from the same brain, the same area of the brain. <clears throat> so a lot of secular people... You could argue that they're more politically active 
because that is where they're finding their meaning. That's why Black Lives Matter was very successful. And uh, what else? Things that turned out like came from a an honest place, but then devolved into fucking chaos. But liberals often they're they're like the they're the protesters. They're the ones out in the streets, uh, doing these things, trying to make change happen. <clears throat> And you could you could argue that a lot of those people are very secular types, and this is where they get that that rush of actually fighting for something, having something beyond themselves. And uh, it, it's weird that I'm saying this because for for someone like no, I don't believe in God. I I'm not a Christian. I'm not religious in any stretch of the imagination. And even though I, I, I understand its value, and I understand that secular people have a tendency to be more politically active, even though I'm not a very politically active person, I'm I'm just sort of like I'm like the I'm like a a guy at a zoo looking at a bunch of chimps behave. It feels like that a lot of times whenever I'm thinking on a national scale. Uh, just looking at my my fellow neighbors throw Molotov cocktails at each other. Oh, that was great. Pop my elbow. Kind of gross. But... <clears throat> so someone who... Well, I think a lot of the religion part has to do with people. I, I watched Jesus Revolution the other night, which is kind of like this evangelical movie trying to get people to get this, this like the Jesus Revolution that took place in the 60s. They're trying to make that happen again. And it it wasn't a bad movie. I actually liked the movie. <clears throat> and it felt honest. And one of the main characters, they... At first, there is a there's a scene that happened where when it happened, I was immediately like, "Oh crap, this movie sucks." If like if this is the message they're trying to convey, then like, "Oh, you you just lost me. I I can't I was trying to be nice and watch this movie and think but like as the movie went on, it started making sense that they had that. I was like, okay, gotcha. What happened was there's this pastor who who takes takes in this young hippie dude from San Francisco, and he tries. The young hippie is trying to make the old conservative pastor be more open to allowing like different types of people into his church, and spread the word through a larger audience which is very like i that's a great message and all, all the old conservatives who are worried about low church attendance like there's a reason the reason people are 
going against God, as you say, is because you 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 you're sticking to these old ways that exclude people. And no one jives with that anymore. So you're going to have to make a compromise if you want people to start going back to church. And that's why I really like this movie because strategically that's like, it's so duh. Like, obviously like you're so worried that people aren't coming to church, but also like you don't want them coming to church. Uh, I mean, yeah, you do in a sense, like you want them to get saved or whatever the fuck, but no, it's you, you're, you're like, come to church, but on this condition that you change who you are. And no one's no one's buying it. No one wants what you're selling. So, yeah, no shit that it's filled with old people who are going to die. And then once they're dead, the church is, it can't be funded anymore because no one's coming. And it's all your fault because you're stubborn. So... God damn it, I'm digressing again. Uh that was that was sort of the message. And this is a very pro-Jesus movie. It's this young hippie who who brings all his hippie friends to this church filled with old, cranky white people who wear loafers and suits, and they start seeing these dirty looking hippies with no shoes. And they're like, oh, you can't let them in. They're they're gonna stain the carpet. Uh and eventually, like, some people actually leave the church, the old grumpy ones. But because of how accepting this church was, it grew and it became a very popular type of uh denomination, I suppose you would call it. It was just very accepting and very open to allowing anyone to come. And there was music. It wasn't all boring where you're all singing in unison in the same pitch. Uh, There's actually instruments and people were engaging and it was loud and it's fun. And it actually got people, you know, feeling the spirit. And I think what the spirit is, is people. That's that's Jesus. Jesus is everyone around you that are all experiencing the same thing you are. And I remember being a young fella who got caught up in this energy. And that's when I decided to get baptized. Whenever I'm, I'm singing all the great Jesus music with everyone else. I, it was in a stadium of kids loving on jesus and it was it was a big rowdy event that was very emotional and engaging and that's holy fuck i forgot i have to go to the movies oh my god i uh actually have to go like right now it starts at 5 15 it's 501 damn it i'm on a roll though but i'm gonna go see cocaine bear um Jesus Christ. Okay. We'll end this, but I think this was a good episode. I, I won't have... I'll edit it later, but yeah. Good talk. I'll, I'll let you know how Cocaine Bear is. 
yeah see ya shit i'm sorry if you were having fun i was having fun too okay well i'm gonna go bye